Welcome to episode number 16. I am your host, Sebastian Engstrom. And today, Robert Althaus joins us. He is the author of Never Enough Itis. He is also the founder of the Sacred Wealth Institute. He is an investor, a high up ranking, I mean, C-level previously leader in multiple different, I mean, you know of all these names if you would see him. He's done it in business. He's a mogul and there's a reason why he's giving back now today. That is his calling and he realized there's more to this world than money and fame. He is no longer have, he doesn't have the family that he once had and he learned so many lessons and therefore he's giving that back in this book with his alpha leadership methodology as well as just helping elevate consciousness for both men and women. This is a fascinating conversation where we go into a story and learn more about this. If you feel like this was an amazing message or if you feel like the show is incredible, hey, I ask you this favor. Scroll down, hit five stars. Why? Because this helps us spread this message to more people. By doing so, you also do the good deed of the day. If you scroll down, hit five stars on Apple, subscribe, like, thank you. I mean, thank you. Two CrossFit programs, gymnastics CrossFit, methodical CrossFit. One is pure CrossFit, metho- gymnastics, Olympic weightlifting, strength, Metcon. One is just gymnastics. Both are phenomenal. I do them. I program them. The videos, the instructions, the easiness of the flow. I mean, there's a reason why I get stronger, get fitter, get more skilled why I'm shredded. I mean, just look at my social, right? I mean, this is what I do and I believe in it because I've done so many different programs. I've done the wads. I've done the CrossFit. It doesn't help me because it's random every single time. This has actual very key methodology that will help you week to week to progress. If you want to check that out, safina.io or safinastrength.com and for 15% off your first month, hit caps Safina. 15. Enjoy the conversation with Robert. Robert, I am excited, um, almost a bit nervous because my soul, or I wouldn't say my soul is nervous. My ego is nervous. <laughs> uh, no, don't, don't let your ego talk ever. <laughs> so my ego is nervous because mm, the great challenge came up yesterday of me writing one of my high school friends who is a uh, sales leader of a startup and um, I asked him to to be on a podcast and and I shared with him what it was going to be about and he said well there's more the bad and the ugly Um, so I asked him I said there's going to be the good bad and ugly of performance and he said well most of it is bad and ugly and I said well that's that's pretty much what this podcast is about um, and I shared with him my story partly um, and and the suicide that one of my mentors committed um, and uh, a, a death in the family and and when I did that I'm like oh holy shit <laughs> I can't be sharing this stuff on LinkedIn um, and it really made me like in, in the beginning I was like oh this is fine 
and this this is this is the true message that I'm here to deliver. It doesn't matter what my ego is saying that oh you need to create create this compelling marketing strategy and and, and hook everyone and get everyone mesmerized by this message, but it's really ego. Please step aside and let the truth come out. And um, that is why my ego is scared. <laughs> part of I should say that is part of me, and that is why I am. Fear is coming up, and I know that is something that you have mastered more so i'm sure it still comes up but you have a story um, around that and 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 the, yeah. the business executive the board advisor um that you were once and still are today you have a different approach you you're not suited up like i am you have slightly more of a, a relaxed a different <clears throat> appearance right. you can say right. and just a the state you're in um let right. me stop right there and just welcome you, Robert. Freaking phenomenal to have you on your podcast. On this, thank one. you, thank you, thank you so much for having me. I I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, you know, we had obviously previous conversations, and um, I, I so enjoyed it. And you know, we have a little bit of a European heritage that we share, and mm-hmm. um, you know, great conversation. So I'd love to dive right into it. Um, so I appreciate you having me here. Yeah, absolutely, and an honor just to have you here. So. Maybe diving into that, coming from Holland, as you prefer to say, or the Netherlands, why did you come to the United States in the very first place? Uh, well, I, I, what really happened is I was 21. I dropped out of college. I, I didn't really fit in and I didn't have my interest. I was always a little bit wild at heart and always wanted to do things a little different than most people. And um, so I left for Australia, actually. I, uh, I went on a one-year, one-way ticket to Australia. I sailed yachts in the woods on the islands. I was a skipper. Then I uh, had all kinds of jobs. I was a bus driver and all kinds of things. I traveled around with a couple of people. And then I ended up in LA. I bought a motorbike. And then I drove from the west to the east coast when I was 22 over the summer of uh, God knows how long ago, early 90s. And um, and then I had this epiphany to become a tennis pro. I was a, I was a very talented tennis player in my youth, but I had kind of let it go. And um, so I was a tennis pro for a couple of years. And I really ended up in the States. I lived in Jakarta, Indonesia for a year. Really, really quick. You had this epiphany. It's usually if you become well, a pro athlete, it's not an epiphany. It's well, something it, that it you're was, magically more, focused on. <laughs> it was more like I was I was like, I didn't want to go back to university because it didn't yeah. interest me. And, um, and I, you know, I was driving my motorbike literally across the United States. And like, you know, what, what am I really passionate about? And I always wondered how good I could be. So that kind of became this obsession when I was done with a motorcycle trip. It's like, you know, why, why wouldn't I try? And I was 22. It was probably a day late and a dollar short. But, you know, I tried anyway for three years. And I ended up in Indonesia. I had a lot of adventures. And I uh, lived there for a year. I played with a uh, Indonesian or trained with the Indonesian Davis Cup team. And, and I coached uh, professionally there. Uh, and then by about 25, I ended up in Atlanta just before the Olympics. And that's where I really got started. I landed in, in the States. I haven't left. Back to night school, actually, because uh, I didn't have my college degree. So, uh, you know, I paid, I paid dearly for those years that I, uh, I kind of backpacked and philandered around the world. Mm-hmm. And what was it that made you venture out of the Netherlands? Uh, and, and let me let me give you a little snippet of that. I, especially growing up in Sweden, there are some people. Even my uncle said this um, when uh, so our family is, is considering uh, working on moving back to Sweden. And uh, I heard from from my uncle that well, 
I, I never understood why he lived in the United States in the very first place. Right, <laughs> and right. my response back is, have you ever visited? He said, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that happens too, yeah. Yeah, so, and, 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 and part mm. of that, and why I'm bringing that up, mm. there's so much, there's such a specific view on what the United States is about, or even other countries when you look at TV, and you, you create yeah. a very um, specific notion on what it is, um, and... Um, there are some, especially growing up on an island like I did, people never left the island. Some people barely right. left the island, I should right. say. Yeah. Um, so why did you have such a curiosity just to, to break free and, and do this? You know, Holland is a small place. It's like a little village. And I always felt like um, suffocating there. And, and so for me, traveling and being in a different country was freedom was the freedom to be able to be myself. Nobody knew my, my background, nobody knew my history. Uh, and and I, I guess it's really that sense of freedom that kind of was the lure. And then, you know, I fell in love with the United States, but I, I, I started coming here in the 80s and 90s. I do think the country has changed a lot. I also think you cannot really say the United States is the same place because, you know, there's very different vibes and energies in different places and different areas of the United States. I mean, California is vastly different from New York and everything in between. So, you know, and, and, and many people in Europe just don't have that concept that it, it's such a huge country and it's got such diversity, uh, both in landscape, but also population, ethnicities, uh, you know, on, on every level. So, it's, it's very hard to put the United States in a box, I think. I, I, you shouldn't even try. So why I'm, I'm partly bringing that up, um, mm. having shared so many paths with many different international um, <clears throat> internationals from many different countries. And, and, and one of the, one can say, honors of my life just happened. Last week on Friday, I was, uh, so I'm now a U.S. citizen, which is freaking incredible. Yeah. It's been 11 years. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, but on that journey, there's always, uh, at the very core, it's been the chase of the American dream. Um, and yes. that has been, for me, a, a liberation, a, a ticket to freedom, but it's also been the devastation. Uh, right. Because in the glory, I lost myself. And uh, it could have, I could have lost, I mean, everything. Um, luckily, I, I don't, I didn't. Right. In um, your journey, has been very interesting <laughs> when it comes to exploring those concepts. <laughs> Maybe yeah. we even dive into those concepts. Sure, sure. Um, well, I, I'd be remiss to not say that, you know, I, I have a book coming out, Never Enough Fighters, which really chronicles kind of my life here in the United States. And, um, you know, my, my, my rise to fame, so to speak, whatever fame that, that, that was. But, and then, you know, this epic fall from grace uh, and, and that whole trajectory I, I describe in the book and then the lessons I learned and how to get out of it and how I became, you know, what you're looking at right now, because I do still sit in boardrooms. I still... Um, you know, I still do business, but I have changed fundamentally, um, really within. And, and the United States is, it's, you know, it's, it's a beautiful country in its excess as well. And so, you know, when you, when you want to pursue your dreams and you want to go big, there's no better country to do it. I mean, there's anything is possible in this country and, and much less so in, in Europe and in other parts of the world, I think, um, where things are just much more subdued and people are holding you back. And here, 
almost society is egging you on to make it even bigger, even grander. Um, there's no limits, right? We don't like having any limits in this country. Um, the, the problem is that I think over, over the decades and as popular culture and, and societal uh, norms changed, we've kind of lost ourselves in that. And so now we're all on this carousel, just chasing relentlessly uh, all these things that we think we need to have to either be happy or fulfilled or joyous. And we lose ourselves in it. And it's, it's gotten to a point where, um, you know, it's, it's a breaking point, I think, because I see so much of this. And I, I was an extreme example of it. I'm a very competitive guy. And so in this country, I thrived because I love the fact that everything is measured and everything is like ranked and, uh, you know, it, but I thrived in that environment. I was always a, you know, a, a BC student in Holland because it was pass fill. So who gives a shit? Why would you try any harder? Because, you know, if you just pass, you know, it's fine. Yeah. And I remember my first semester here in college, I had an A and a B uh, and uh, it's kind of a funny story. And, and, and so someone told me that's um, cum laude. I said, what's that? So I go in the student handbook and I look that up and I see like there's magna cum laude and summa cum laude. So I calculate all the classes I have left and I had 27 straight A's after that and I graduated <laughs> summa cum laude. And it was just this example of, you know, if you put that carrot out there, I will go run as fast as I can. And, mm. you know, I got caught up in that in every area of my life in the United States. And it was, like you say, it was beautiful because I, I pushed myself and I was very successful on many different levels, but I also lost myself along the way, right? And I, I went overboard on this stuff. And uh, so much so that I, I started losing myself in it. I started losing, um, you know, what's really dear to me. I started losing my values. I started losing just about everything because I got so obsessed with making money and having power and, you know, being bigger and measuring up. And of course, you know, all these are just internal wounds. They're just lack of self-worth that you're trying to fill up with things on the outside and it's never going to work. So you keep chasing, you keep going after it and it never quite seems to work because you get this little fix, this little sugar rush, you know, when you achieve something, but then you're already thinking about the next thing you want to have, the next thing you got to accomplish, the next, uh, you know, car you want to have or house or the next woman you want to chase or whatever it is. It doesn't even matter what it is. It's just, you're always just on this carousel of hunting. So I definitely got uh, lost in that. And eventually the universe knocked me off my horse and said, you got a couple of lessons to learn. And, um, you know, I, some humility there. I uh, I got the lessons I needed. You said that you started losing your values and things that mattered outside of your performance mm -hmm. and out the door. How how did you start noticing that? How did that show up for you? And why did you choose the performance? Uh, well, there were there were several instances. So I I had. Um, you know, I was in real estate development. I built airports around the world. I came out of GE, I bought a business, and I, I went into business for myself around the financial crisis time. And I won a lot of business in Latin America. Uh, and some of it, I was working with big pension funds, and uh, these were large commercial transactions, you know, tens or hundreds of millions of dollars. And I was the operating partner. And I, I started, um, I was so aggressive in wanting to expand and grow that business. I, I so wanted to prove myself. And then when I had a little bit of success, and I've had had some success over my corporate career too, but everything just egged me on to go harder and faster and, um, and be more merciless about it, really. 
And so during that period of time, I was in Latin America, um, you know, business practices are different in Latin America. And I, I felt threatened by that. And I started swimming with the sharks uh, and I became a shark. So, you know, I started being uh, less compassionate, um, you know, less forthright. Everything became a chess game. Everything became, you know, I saw um, everything was a competition. I was, I was in competition with everybody. I saw everybody as just, you know, if you were in my way, I was just going to pulverize you and just run through you. And, and that isn't really my spirit. That's not really my, where my heart is. I mean, I actually really care a lot for people. And I started to notice that, you know, my narcissism grew, my arrogance grew. Um, but, you know, on the outside, I was very successful. So you get rewarded in a way because, you know, like we talked about, your LinkedIn profile looks great and everybody thinks you're the shit and, you know, you're making so much money and you have this beautiful wife and a house and a car and, or, or cars and, and, you know, you have everything. But I started, um, you know, my marriage started also uh, kind of disconnecting. I was much harder to reach. I was gone a lot. I started um, going local in Latin America. So I, I started um, cheating on my wife. Um, you know, I was just full of myself. And uh, I, I, I thought I was in a way invincible, but it all came from fear. It all came from not feeling enough, you know, not measuring up wanting and seeking some kind of recognition. Now, I didn't have that awareness at the time. I didn't know that that was really driving me. Uh, I just thought I was just a really ambitious alpha male. And this is what you do. You know, you go out there and you're just merciless and you just, you know, relentlessly pursue all these things. And I didn't have a good eye for how much um, pain I was, cover uh, you know, how much I was hurting other people along the way. Uh, some people that I pushed out of the way that I was competitive with, um, you know, but also especially my wife and, you know, even close friends and people that I just um, kind of left for dead because I was just too busy. I was too busy going forward and moving. And this continued. Um, and there's been many jumps, or I shouldn't say jumps, transitions and different pursuits. Uh, how long would you say this went on for and, and what was that journey well, like? Uh, I'm sure that it took. I think it happened for time. ever since I left Holland early because I was always really chasing something and it just got worse and worse uh, over time because I, in a way, success is your, it can be an enemy, right? Because I was having success. I was having success with just, um, you know, being in this very masculine energy of just pushing and hustling and action and, and just force, just sheer force. I was just relentless. And uh, I was so driven, um, you know, and I was unstoppable in that sense. But, you know, I was hollowing out on the inside because it was all driven from insecurity, from fear, from, you know, I wanted to be enough. I wanted to be seen. I wanted to be recognized. I wanted people to think I was smart, that I was successful. Um, that's where it was coming from. It wasn't coming for the love of what I was doing. It wasn't like I was so passionate about these projects I was building. There were elements of it that I liked, but that wasn't really what was driving it. And so I'm a big believer now that if, if you're not passionate about what you do, um, you know, you're always in some way are going to sacrifice, uh, you know, some, some, something internally that wants to come out of you. And this is why it's so important to find your why. But I, I, 
I wasn't even thinking about my why. I was just thinking about I want to be successful in the way the matrix counts success, which is mostly money, power, um, prestige, status. That's how we measure success in the matrix. So those were my, my metrics. And I just wanted to excel and exceed anything I possibly could. Um, you know, and, and, and as soon as I would get to some level that I had set for myself, I wanted to go to the next level. I wanted to like, you know, be even better, even richer, even whatever. Mm. What do you think <clears throat> this sensational drive and constant pursuit of the next thing, where, where, did, where did that come from? Well, I think it's largely, I mean, there's a little bit of personality woven in there. I'm just a, a type A kind of guy, but, um, I think there's a lot of societal programming. Uh, there's a lot of culture and uh, pop culture. So, you know, we swim in this ocean and it, it's very hard to ignore it. It's in our TV, it's in our movies. It's, uh, you know, how we, what we consider success. It's how we look at the world and, and you know, you swim in that bath water and, you know, when you're not aware of it, it, you just play in it. Now, for me personally, and I believe many men have this, I had a very stoic father that never really patted me on the back. He was kind of distant. He was, uh, he had a very hard time expressing himself. He would never tell me that he was proud of me or that he would, that he loved me or anything like that. And it wasn't that he didn't take care of me. He didn't abuse me in any sense, but you know, I always sought his approval. I wanted him to be proud of me so badly. And this was like well into my forties. I mean, you know, when he passed away in 2017, I thought I had cleared this a long time ago. And I had all these people come up to me at a funeral service and they were all saying like, he always talked about you and he was always so proud of you. And of course he lived in Holland. I was in the States You know, I completely broke down for weeks because I still had that wound in me that I, that's all I ever wanted him to do. I wanted him to tell me that he was proud of me, right? And and I was just trying so hard to prove to, to him that I was worthy of that. And I just never really felt, and I didn't have a bad relationship with him, but I, 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 I didn't have, I didn't have that. And I think many men have this wound, you know, it's a father wound that, and really taught to experience. I have kids myself now and, and you know, I express myself very differently towards my kids than, than what, I, what my father did with me. But, you know, here's a guy that was born in World War II in a war ravaged country. You know, he wasn't taught any of these things, you know, so I can see now that he just came from his own background of societal norms. And, you know, that wasn't something, you know, in Sweden is similar, you know, very stoic, very kind of like matter of fact, very dry. There's not a lot of emotion uh, that you display publicly, you know, it's just not in the culture. So I think that's, that's where a big part of the roots, um, for me, my personal pain came from, you know, egged on by the societal norms and, and, and pop culture that we live in. As you got older, do you feel like that started to come through from him? Because when, when you were speaking of it, at the not first, really. Yeah. Not really. No, yeah. he never really, um, you know, I had so many anecdotes and some of them are in my book, but, um, you know, it's really interesting. He was, he was, I, I could see now in hindsight that he was a fan. He was following very closely what I did. And, um, I could, I could see that he was getting some joy out of it to see that I, 
I, I was making it for myself. Um, and uh, and I, I came to a point somewhere in my late 30s where, you know, in my fucked up way of thinking, I mean, I, I had more money than he did. So in my mind, I had kind of eclipsed him. And at that point, I kind of, my mind, in my mind, I told myself, like, I don't need his validation anymore. I've proven my point. I've made my point. Like, you know, I, I don't need him anymore to tell me anything. But I think that's untrue now, looking back. I think that was my egoic mind telling me, pacifying me. But I think in my heart, I needed it maybe even more because I, I was getting more and more extreme in pursuing more and more. And this relentless drive that was really starting to destroy, you know, the most beautiful parts of my life, which, you know, I had a beautiful family, I had a beautiful wife. I had, I had a lot. And I started like my, my own behavior became self-destructive in its, um, in its just relentlessness. And I'm recognizing a pattern there. I think one of is the most dangerous sign that you're off course is that when you think that your performance of what you do is greater than love, that it's more important than love and that you can, it doesn't matter if you don't have or receive love from the closest people to you. That is the most dangerous sign. And that is when I yeah. had my roughest awakening um, and I have, and I'm so lucky to to have my family, right. to have my wife, and and to be with my daughter every single day, and to be alive. Um, but there's so many who yeah. don't, um, yeah. and who have chosen a different path. Because once you start choosing yourself, the performance and the material over who you love, eventually is going to come crashing down. And yeah. when, then you realize you don't have anything, and what do you have left to live for then? If you yeah. lose everything, I, I, I couldn't agree more. And, um, you know, I think there's actually a, a bigger fallacy that's behind it. And it's this notion that we have to do anything at all. We don't, we, we don't have to do anything to be worthy. We just have to wake up and breathe air, you know? I mean, and, and this notion that we have to go out in the world and we have to somehow conquer something or accomplish something or to, to be something is the biggest bullshit that we've been sold. All of us have been sold that because supposedly you're not somebody until you accomplish something. And that's complete nonsense. It's, it's other, other nonsense. I mean, th th there's just no truth to that whatsoever. You know, we are all worthy, you know, just for being here. Now, it is good to go in the world and go accomplish something and, and, and that you're passionate about and, and, and be in service to others. And there's many different things that the ways, ways we can give and contribute, which I think are valuable, but none of them, you know, are necessary for us to be worthy. And I think so many of us believe, or have these really deep beliefs that somehow we need to be something or be somewhere in life to be worthy, worthy of love, worthy of being here, worthy of friendship, worthy of whatever. Uh, and, and I think that's really where, where the biggest disconnect of all is. And that's in our society. That's just not men only. I mean, this is women too. Um, you know, with this notion that we have to be something. No, you don't have to be anything. You just have to get up in the morning.
that's enough. There is the what you, when you bring up passion, uh, when you bring up your why, going to that what you speak of right now too of of just knowing that you're enough just for being who you are regardless it doesn't matter what you do uh, but then realizing that and getting to that state is a beautiful thing i've gone to that state and i've realized that that who that i can be just amazing the way i am for not for just existing yeah recreating that state is amazing if you can do it, but also how do you find your place back in this world after you've found this? How do you not become a very sedimentary person who just sits around? Uh, and is in awe? Yeah. 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 Um, well, it starts with, I, I have this core belief that all of us, there's no accidents in the universe, right? We are all here by some divine purpose, some infinite intelligence put us here in this vessel with these parents and these circumstances. And, you know, our wounds and our lessons are our path forward. That's how we learn. That's how we grow. That's how we evolve. But we all each have talents and superpowers. And I think one of the first things to discover is, you know, what are my talents and superpowers? And they're always going to be things that come easy, that come natural, that you enjoy, that you gravitate towards. And your passion and your why are always going to be around your talents and your superpowers because there are no mistakes in this universe. You and everybody else have something very unique to contribute to this world. And that uniqueness, that authenticity, and you, you started very early on when you did the introduction about marketing. When you come from pure authenticity, you don't need marketing anymore. <laughs> yeah. Because you're, you're, you're a goddamn magnet so strong that, you know, what you're bringing into the world is just going to magnetically attract what it needs to attract. There's no marketing is bullshit, man. It's just a bunch of fluff. It's hot air, right? Um, so, but you get there by finding your talents and your superpowers, you know, what drives you, what feeds you, what makes you happy. And when you go down that path, whichever path that is, you're going to find that things don't really feel like work. It usually feels like, you know, I'm passionate about it. It's kind of like easy to get motivated. It's easy to get up. It's easy to go do it. Um, you still have to learn. You still have to grow. You still have to like make yourself the best at it. You know, every talent needs to be sculpted and, and, and uh, perfected, but you know, that's where you're going to find your, your, your passion and your why. And, and, and I think one of the big problems that people have is that they worry about, well, how am I going to pay my bills? And the thing is, there's no mistakes in this world. If you pursue your talents and superpowers and your purpose and you're, and you're passionate, you know, you're going to make a living. I don't know if you're going to be rich, but you're going to make a living. You're going to sustain yourself. It's just inevitable. It's, it's just when you bring that into the world, it's always going to happen. And what you're going to find is you're going to find balance and harmony in other areas of your life, too. Because you're going to have energy left over to love. You're going to have energy left over to work out and, and take care of your body because, you know, now you're, you're intrinsically motivated. It doesn't come from some kind of outside, um, you know, um, um, impulse, right? It comes from like the inside. 
and you're going to see this kind of you know evolve in all areas of your life so i think everybody that's my basic my statement i mean everybody has talents and superpowers and i think you have to find those you know where are those that's where you're going to find your why that's where you're going to find your purpose and once you kind of allow gravity to take you there things are going to unfold for you because it's just organic when you're in your power and you're in your authenticity I mean, things just happen for you. It's a universal law. It, 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 there's just, there's no flaw in it. You don't have to do anything else. It's just going to happen for you. So I'm curious to hear what that looks like for you today. And, and I'll set the stage before right. that is when I get, I, I get very passionate about things, mm -hmm. but my thing, and that is, I think that the greatest indicator is when you lose track of time because you get so oh yeah perfect one perfect but, one yeah but that's the thing that is my my greatest teacher in life is time with time which is honor in in ancient greek and and i associate because i have that my nemesis is not being on time because i always feel like i want to push in so many things as possible in a little short a time as possible to because mm. i get this rush and and, right. I, and it makes me feel more worthy to accomplish and do things and uh it's hard for me to sometimes differentiate is this the ego edging me on to do more or is it true passion because i can lose track time in both ways and just take that a step further is when i don't set boundaries when i don't set okay at six o'clock or four five whatever it is right my mind needs to go off work and it's family only because if I keep my mind engaged, well, well, let me just check yeah. my ego one more time, my email one more time, I that that um, my energy is scattered and I'm not present. My passion now bleeds into other areas of my life and it becomes a uh, a hot mess. Um, I'm curious to hear how you've navigated that yourself, and even yeah, the original question: What does it look like for you today? So I, I come from a world of business, you know, high level business, real estate development, private equity, um, investments, things like that. I still do some of that. I dabble still in that, but I, I, you know, I've committed to writing my book and bringing out, um, something called the, the whisperer, which is a platform I'm creating to, to teach from, uh, to coach both businesses and private clients, but also to share my message. So really what's happened over the last few years for me is, is that I, I really went down the spiritual path and I, I was very down. I had dark hours. I had similar to what I shared with you. I mean, I had very dark hours where I was uh, thinking about suicide and, um, you know, having the thoughts, never acting on it, but still, you know, a really, really dark place. And, you know, once I started kind of coming out of it and, and, and seeing the beauty around me and, and, and kind of refining my purpose, what really excites me is to teach and help other men because I, you know, it's been painful. It's been a rough ride for me. Um, beautiful, but it's been rough and painful. And I, and I, th I think, excuse me to interrupt yeah. you, but to go into, cause I think that's a concept that a lot of people will don't really understand. How can it be that you, when you achieved so many things mm -hmm. and it, you've come to so many realizations, you have millions in the bank, you have all these things, the, the material, like you have the cars, you mm -hmm. have on the outside, the beautiful family. Why would it come to a point where you feel like it's not worth living anymore? 
in a nutshell, I could not look at myself in the mirror. I could not, I could not tolerate what I had become. I had become a monster. And I didn't recognize myself anymore. I didn't recognize, um, and this is from a really deep soul level where, you know, I'm, I'm at heart, I'm an incredibly compassionate and loving guy. I love people. And I was so ruthless in my ways, but it was hurting me, you know, because it, it, that's not me. That's not my nature. You know, um, being unfaithful to my wife killed me and I still did it, but I was like, it was, it was hollowing me out on the inside because that's not the man I am. That's not the man I want to be. I, 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 I was, I had no respect for myself. I was like, you're, you're such a fucking despicable fake. Because on the outside, you're this successful guy and you've got this beautiful custom suit on with your fancy tie and, you know, you play the game and you talk a really good, good game and you make a lot of money. But it's not true. It's, it's not authentic. Because I know on the inside that you're just a fucking little scared boy, you know, and, and, and you're not being an honorable man. You're not, you're not acting with integrity in life. You're not like, you know, it's, it's just not real. And I, I had the same thing in my relationship because, you know, we had some, some dynamics in, in our marriage that, you know, we were pretending to the outside, even though on the inside, our marriage had completely imploded and corroded and we were just roommates. But we kept pretending on the outside that we're this happy couple with three beautiful kids and, you know, we have everything. And, and I, I, towards the end, I couldn't do any of it anymore. I couldn't live the farce anymore. I, I literally was like re revolting against it, rebelling against it. I just, I want to get out of it. I just wanted to, I literally wanted to get out of my body, out of my life. I was like, even though I had everything. And, you know, eventually the universe started like doing what the universe does. Um, you know, it, it, I, I had some bad luck in business. I had a hurricane that wiped out a business. And um, I, that was the one business I've ever, uh, the one deal I've ever done with a personal guarantee on it. So now I was going through a divorce. Uh, you know, I got a business that got wiped out by a natural disaster. And like, I went in the span of three months to almost being in bankruptcy. Mm. And so all the power that I derived from having money and being successful, like it all fell away. I, I literally was naked. I had nothing else. I, I didn't have it anymore. I didn't have that facade anymore because the facade just crumbled. The universe just literally took it away. And that's when I really had to get real with myself. And, and that's where the heart, that's where the really hard stuff, um, you know, the really dark hours came because then you're just left to your own, you and your soul. And that's, um, you know, that's an interesting place to be. Uh, and it's, I'm very grateful that I was there, but I don't think you have to go through the hardships I went through to get there. I think there's more elegant ways of getting there. And that's part of my mission that, I see so much of the pain that I had. I see it in so many other guys and I see so many marriages that are just not flourishing like they should. And that makes two people really unhappy. I mean, that's, that's, you know, love is the most beautiful thing in the world. And so that, that pains me to see that. And I have so many friends that, that are in unhappy marriages. And I'm like, man, if I can help other men open their heart, be more vulnerable, step into their true power, their true authenticity, you know, share some of these lessons and, and, and uh, travails that I went through. And if that can help them a little bit, 
that's what I'm passionate about now. And, and, you know, to do that, like you told me, you have to be willing to go public. And that's actually what took me the longest to be willing to share this so publicly. I, I really was reluctant to do that. And the initial reluctance was, I didn't think anybody would care. I, nobody's going to give a shit about my story. Like, it's not that important. But I'm finding, and then I started finding, like when I started talking about it, it gives permission for other men to, show, to, to talk to. And I was like, man, it's probably powerful when I talk about it. Um, and then I finally, beginning of this year, in February, actually, I closed another business that freed up some time for me to really dedicate to this. And I made a decision like, you know, if I'm going to do it, I need to do it well and, and just step into it. So that's when I fully committed to getting my book finished and really publicly sharing this and going on podcast and, you know, make this kind of the mission of my life. And um, I'm loving it. It's still new to be this sharing it this publicly, but I think it's the only way to help other, other people. I'm taking it in. I'm just feeling it right now. Um, <laughs> I am, well, you can say proud of you for doing that. I mean, you're showing an example by just what you're doing for me as well. And you're giving me permission. Uh, you're giving me inspiration to continue on this path as well. And, um, and just, we spoke about it, that what you went through, I mean, you're not alone. And there's so many, especially men that do go through this. And um, from an outside perspective, I mean, you, you can understand more, okay, all right, he lost everything. Uh, why, why, why is there reason to live anymore? Um, and I had, um, what I shared with you before, a mentor who, who was thriving and, and climbed a corporate ladder very quick and opened up an office. And he, he didn't, he didn't make it um, from a success perspective. And he chose to take his life. Uh, when he was asked to take a sabbatical, and and this is just the tip of the iceberg. Right? There, there's a significant problem, and especially with with COVID, when people are having things taken away, businesses right. are crashing right. left and right. And and then this is this message is so needed. Um, so how how can people connect with you even today? Like what, what is it? I mean, even hearing from this, like I, I'm like, where can I find you? Right. Um, well, for, for now I'm mostly on social media. So I'm on Instagram at the Zen whisper uh, and on Facebook as well. Uh, my website is going to be up at literally in about two weeks. My book is going to be published January 19th. That website will be up uh, probably in about two or three weeks. So all of this stuff is, is coming out right now. I, I wanted to add, because I think you're absolutely right. I think this, this is something that there many men struggle with. I also see another dynamic, and this is something that I worked through. Uh, this was my second marriage, actually. Uh, I was married in my 20s as well. And so I went through a lot of therapy, and I, I really delved into this whole essence of masculinity and femininity. And, and uh, you know, and I see so many so many, you know, there's a wounded masculine right now that, that, you know, we're just not in our heart. We're just totally living out of our mind, which is exactly the, the example you gave. Uh, there's even a more powerful example that there was this, uh, I think it was about five, six years ago, there was this German billionaire and he was the richest man in Germany, I believe. And then somehow he had a setback in his, 
business fortunes and he lost a few billion dollars and, and uh, now he only had like 11 billion euros or something and he committed suicide. And, you know, it, it, it's interesting because it's, it's so like, like how could you possibly do that, right? I mean, you, like you lose a few billion, yeah, that's a lot of money, but you have so much, you have more than anybody in this world and still this man in his head, right, had lost everything. So much so that it that it prompted him to commit to commit suicide and take his life, and it's really sad because that that is purely when we get lost in the in the intricacies of our egoic mind, and I think that's one of the big problems that we have as men because we're taught to kind of live in that masculine mind, but you know we have a huge heart, and I think many of the things and the struggles we see in this world, the wars, the violence, the injustices, the inequalities, the pollution, like all these things come from the fact that we as men are not connected with our heart. And, you know, we're not, we're not living from the heart, which is the feminine center, actually, where intuition lives and passion and creativity and all those beautiful things. And we downplay those qualities and we just live in our, in this intellect um, where we get, and, uh, you know, sometimes desperate. Um, the other thing that I'm seeing, which is part of this whole wound, I, I, is a very interesting dynamic because there's a lot of women, I think, that are uh, maybe a little bit more evolved down the path. And there's a huge loneliness around these women because they, they are really um, seeking and, and, and longing for more evolved men that can basically come up to that same frequency. And there's a huge disconnect forming uh, in that sense. And I think that's also something that needs to be addressed because it's, it's causing um, this uh, chism where I think people get really confused. I think men are confused. Like, you know, what am I supposed to be? What does a man look like? Like as a man, what am I allowed? What am I not allowed? Am I supposed to be like, you know, really sensitive or really this or really that? And so we, we become emasculated almost. And one of the things that I believe is that when you when you integrate the feminine within, you actually become more masculine. And we 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 masculine is beautiful. The sacred masculine is that's what we you know that's what we embody as men, and and it's a beautiful thing. It's not a dirty thing. It's not something to um, to downplay. And like so much in popular you know culture right now, it's like it's man bashing, and and you know it's confusing everybody. It's confusing like you know what are you allowed to be and. And it's confusing women too, because women are kind of hanging in their masculine and that's not where they want to be. They want to kind of get lost in their femininity. And so, you know, we have a lot of confusion, I think, around these things and a lot of healing that we can do. Um, but I'm a big believer in being unapologetically masculine uh, and finding that masculinity, but it doesn't show up like our pop culture version of John Wayne and a stoic guy. It's like, this is a guy that has evolved himself, that's in touch with his heart, that is loving and caring and compassionate, but he's still a fucking guy, right? Um, because that's what we are and, you know, and we can be proud of it. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it. When you bring that up, my old alpha self would have said, just shrugged it off and go, whatever, like, I don't need that. That's bullshit. Like, yeah, you go on with your soft stuff. What, what is it? But what is it? that made you realize okay well because i because i ruined my life because i was not in touch with my heart i suppressed everything everything i felt everything that hurt me everything that i would just shove it away shove it away and then i would numb it 
I would numb it with alcohol, with sex, with porn, with displacement, with frills. I would buy new toys. I would like, I would do everything in my power to not have to feel. I didn't want to feel anything. I could not express myself to my wife. I had no capacity at all to really let her in deeply and, and share like my deepest fears and worries. I wasn't strong enough. That has nothing to do with weakness. I wasn't strong enough to do it. I couldn't do it, but it ruined my life. It ruined everything around me. It ruined everything that was important to me. All the relationships that I really cared for soured, right? Because I, I became like, you know, a noxious guy to deal with. Uh, very full of himself, you know, um, always right. Always like, you know, everybody else was stupid. Everybody else didn't understand it. And that version of alpha male is toxic. It's not helpful. And like, I don't know if you can tell or not, but you know, I'm still an alpha male. I'm, I'm a hundred percent alpha, man. <laughs> There's nothing less alpha about me uh, than, than I ever was. I'm probably more alpha than I, than I ever was, but I don't let my mind dictate everything anymore. I really, really listen to my heart. I really, um, I try to come from a place from love and compassion. I feel a lot more. And when I feel something, I give it credence. I'm like, why am I feeling this? Like, why, why? Because, you know, your heart tells you a lot, tells you whether you're on the right path, whether something is right for you. Um, you know, even when you're in a place, you go into a room, or you go, even when someone invites you for a, a vacation or this or that, you know, you can feel whether it's right for you, but you have to be in your heart, you know, and we're so closed off and we're just, we're, we're living this mental life. And I think it's one of the big disconnects that we have in this society that we have today. For me, an example is I, I still to this day have a hard time connecting to my heart and intuition and creativity at times because I've the thrill of accomplishing things is incredible and of building things. I mean, as men, we love to build things, and and that is just uh, it's it's a love of mine, or it's it's a desire. Mm -hmm. It's it's it drives sure. me every single day. But it also the more I do that the more um, I get fatigued and then one of the things that starts shutting off the quickest is my emotions because then they become a hindrance to what I need to get done. And what uh, one of the feedback that I get that I know a lot of men get is from your spouse, you are a completely different person during the week. And then during the weekend, you're open and loving like what's going on. Like, I don't get it. Like, I don't like it please get back to being who you are because I don't like who you are when you're in your professional mode, whatever right. you want to call it. What practices that I do now daily um, is what we did now too, is, is I do a, a hourly breathing technique of saying I love you and I forgive you and just right. stopping. I meditate. Um, and, and one with Joe Dispenza where he goes through what you feel, what it feels like to feel gratitude or right. feel feel your feelings and I need to practice that and um, that has helped me but it's still difficult many days um, other meditations and going into feeling feeling love which can be sounds strange mm -hmm. maybe to some but that that can be difficult and but the biggest thing has been 
to join a community to to hear and see other alpha males share right to be vulnerable because that has given me you can say the biggest okay sign like yeah. it's okay it's okay it's okay to open yeah and i think i think it's about finding the right groups because when the alpha male get together is just pounding beers and watching football and not talking about anything meaningful um, there's a place and time for that too, but you know, that's not going to really move the needle that much because that's everybody just, you know, hiding in, uh, in, in blindness. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that's, that's what we see a lot when we see, you know, traditional mill bonding. It's like, we don't talk about anything, you know, we just kind of do some stuff together. And, and, you know, there's, like I said, there's a time and place for that too. So, but if you find the right group that's willing to open up, um, you know, then, then it's very, very powerful because, you know, when we let go of this notion that we're in competition with everybody and we can let go of, of like, and truly cultivate friendships, um, then, then that's really, really deep for men. And, and, you know, we can, we can get an enormous amount of um, power out of that, 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 you know, and some things, you know, we can't do with our spouse or with, with our loved one. And, and she can't do everything with us either. I mean, she needs her girlfriends too, you know, she needs to have that part. Um, now, I do think that in relationships, you know, one of the big things that I didn't fully appreciate is that, A, I mean, women are like built to love. They are love machines. They are literally like insatiable love machines, but they have to trust and they have to feel connected with you. When they don't feel connected, they shut down. It's literally like the engine shuts down. And, you know, we, we are, our typical response as a man is we turn our back and we say, fuck you. You know, you're cold, you're being a bitch. Like, I don't understand why you're doing this. Like, go away. I don't want anything to do with it because I can't deal with it, right? And it's literally the worst reaction we can have because what she's signaling is she doesn't feel you. She doesn't feel connected. She doesn't trust you for that reason. And that's why she can't open up. And it's the one lesson that I learned that I screwed up my whole fucking life because my whole life, if I was in a situation where, you know, I felt that I would always turn my back and say, I don't have time for this. I'll go do some more work. I'll go, whatever, go work out or like, I don't want to deal with this. Right. And it's the one thing that we can really work on because when we feel, when we allow ourselves to feel right. And I wasn't in my heart, I was just in my head, in my head, she made no sense. But if I would have just looked in her eyes and I would have given her like a few minutes and I would feel, I would say, Hey, she doesn't feel me. She wants to, you know, and that's what your wife is probably saying during the week. Mm -hmm. She can't feel you. And because she can't feel you, she can't trust. And when she can't trust, she can't love. And that's against her nature. Yep. Women want to feel connected. They want to feel like they, they, they have to, you have to let them in. And we're, we're not that good at it as men, especially when we're in work mode, right? When we're just like in hustle mode, we have this little pantser around our heart. And like, um, but it's, um, it's, it's something to work on for sure for everybody. What are practical things and actual things that you would recommend to connect back to your heart? Well, I think the first thing, if you work outside the home and you come back to your house, your commute back should be your detox from work. 
And I, I always think that, you know, I have certain music, ceremony music that I play that calms me down. But I think, you know, if you have a half hour commute or whatever it is, you got to like start the wind down right there, right? The moment you step in your car, on your bike, you start walking home, you go on a train or whatever it is, like start, start disconnecting, you know, probably put your phone away because, you know, if you're on your phone, you're still doing emails, you're still doing work. And that's the energy that you bring home. So, you know, you have to really disconnect from that and just start calming. And, you know, I, I think when you, when you can do that, um, when you're around your loved one, I, I always tell myself, feel, 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 feel. Like, get out of your fucking head. Get out of your head because she doesn't live in your head. Women have no appreciation at all for scorecards. They don't have any appreciation for the 99 things you did well. Mm -hmm. They don't care. They care what you're doing right now here in this moment. Right. And, um, and so, you know, you, I think you just teach yourself to tune in and I breath work is always very good, but it's about being present. It, it, that's really what it's about. Right. And, and, and we should cultivate that throughout in every relationship and every interaction that we have with someone else. When we go out with friends, you know, don't have your mind full with a hundred thousand things. I mean, really focus on those friends, zone in on that. Right. And, and, you know, when you go work out, then really work out. Don't be doing your groceries in, or, or your, your, your list and, you know, work on, I still got to do that. No, just really, really work out. So try to always be really in the moment. With COVID and a lot of people working from home and people who are just generally working from home. Right. That is changing environments. Yeah, can for sure. Be, can make it easier. I know for me um, and, and what you're sharing right now is something that I constantly go back and forth with of, of, um, of struggling with, of not setting boundaries. Like one thing I wanted to get something released or finished regarding the business within a certain time period. And I did not allow myself to shut off. Like I would think about it after oh, I work up until that time. And then I didn't prepare for the next day because I was so into what I was doing. Right. And then during the workout, I was thinking about it and I was not completely present during the workout. And by the time I came in home, I worked out in my garage and then I came home. I saw work in one of the rooms in the house right, and then I right. came, I come back in and I check my email to make sure that there's nothing that has come in that I need to address right there and then or think about so I can analyze it during the evening and then I'm never right. really present and then it's just day after day after day and then when my wife and daughter are gone and there's a different energy I am now free to do whatever I want and now all of a sudden the time that I have to have lunch it's now in front of my computer my dinner is now in front of my computer I don't shut off I don't process things yeah. I don't feel things and all of a sudden I have a productivity hangover for the next two days and my wife wants nothing to do with me because I just got so freaking lost and I feel horrible and a big thing there is boundaries um, but what would you say even for so many people who are working from home like well, how, how would you go about just on a day-to-day -day basis like how, how would you go about that I work from home too but you know I, I'm right now um, other than when my kids are here 
I'm by myself. So I don't, I don't have to set boundaries as much uh, as, as you would like in your situation. Um, but I, I'm pretty disciplined. I, I, I'm a really big believer in routines and one of the, one of the habits, you know, you are the product, the way you do anything is the way you do everything. And so I'm a big believer that you make your bed in the morning. Uh, you know, you do a certain routine. You and and when you repeat that, uh, it becomes basically ingrained. But it it instills this discipline as well. And so when you want to set boundaries, get yourself organized. You know, get yourself organized. You know, set your tasks for the day and just do it and and knock them out. I think so many people um, kind of meander and they're not disciplined. They are not focused. And then they, you know, they find out like it's 3 p.m. and they have done probably an hour of work and, you know, and then they're, they're like hustling for the next three hours because by six o'clock they need to be done. And then, of course, it's not done. It's not good enough. It's not. So I think a lot of people and this is the challenge, I think, working from home is you, you have to amp up the self-discipline because it's so easy to get distracted. It's so easy to walk out and you got to do some laundry. And then, you know, there's a Amazon guy doing a delivery and, you know, before you know it, you're just kind of numbing a lot of time away. So I think discipline is a really big one. Um, and then the other thing with boundaries, I mean, this thing is, just so I can not get distracted by my phone. Oh. Can you hear me? I can't hear you. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I was on mute. So, right. Oh, no, okay. So I lost you. Um, so you were saying at the book, you were, or you were about to pull something out. No, no, my phone. I, I pulled out my Your iPhone. Phone. And so I think oh, yeah. one of the, it's an electronic leash. And we're so attached to that damn iPhone that we're never in the present moment. We're just lost looking at this iPhone. And so I think working from home, you know, it's very healthy to put that phone away sometimes, you know, especially if you're spending time with family, with your kids, with your wife, with your girlfriend, whatever it is. Um, Put the whole phone away because every time that ping goes, every time you have a little message that comes in, your attention is away and, and, you know, you're, you're interrupting like your, your focus. And I'm a big believer that, you know, being, being with someone, being with your loved one for three hours, but it's scatterbrained and half the time you're on your phone and, and you're distracted it's better to just put your phone away for an hour and have really good quality time for an hour like really be there. Mm -hmm. And, yeah. and that hour will be so much more meaningful than spending three hours, but you're all over the place. So I think putting your phone away is, is one of the, probably the biggest things you can, you can do nowadays because we're just being pulled from so many different directions. And we have so many different, we have WhatsApp and text and Facebook has messenger and they have email and you have, well, God knows what we have like six, seven, eight different ways that people are getting to us. And then the feed on, you know, social media, which is designed to suck you in. So, of course, I want you to look at my post, but, um, <laughs> you know, it's, it, it, it's the armpit of, of everything, right? Social media. It's, 
I'll show you one thing right now. Uh, so this is oh, it's your phone. Boring. Yeah, your clouds. That's that's my screen. So usually you see a bunch of apps on the screen. It's purposefully just a very neutral background. And there are three areas where I can go into the apps or actually one area. The two other ones is uh, Spotify and Audible mm. because those are most uh, some of the most mm. uh, informational apps that I can go to. But I have it on airplane mode being very and, and part of that where you go into is, is being very intentional. Uh, for me, that's that has been huge and significant and right. a lot. I have to thank my wife for that is, is setting these boundaries of setting at this time. My my phone goes on airplane mode. I will not be reachable. And if something yeah. is pressing enough, um, I don't have anything that probably is. And, and if that is, then I make the stoic choice. I will deal with it the next day. Um, and, and then your mind and a lot of fear comes up with that. Mm-hmm. And even yesterday, but then you learn to adapt your way of being during the hours that you are on, you're on. Right. And having that discipline to being on during that time. And, and that simple, one of the things that's so underestimated is, is doing the hardest thing or some of the most difficult things first is, is your decision fatigue is a real thing. Oh, so huge. Yeah. The, 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 the most bright you are is going to be in the morning. So have the hardest decisions planned for them. And then you go just take on the, the right. whatever routine things later on. And the more you start doing this, this becomes second nature, the less you have to think about it. And then we already have, like you said, the routines down. Now you can just, you have your auto mode and you're doing all these things. While for some people it would take a lot of brain power, but, and that is, that is a second thing that the follows discipline and, and, uh, and boundaries is habits. Now that you develop habits, all of a sudden you're, you're, you're tuning yourself to becoming highly connected to also right. start feeling because some of these things that you constantly need to make these small decisions of, oh, well, what should I cook right now? Oh, well, let me hold off for that. Oh, well, maybe I eat at that time. Then you start, your mind starts bouncing. But if you already have that plan, if you already have that set, you don't need to think about it. Right. Um, but that, that goes into also... I. So your reality with the whisper, that is, I, that is majority of what you focus on, but you're still engaged yeah. in other ventures, are you? Yeah, I still, I, I still own a few businesses and, uh, or involved in a few businesses. And I sit on a advisory board of a, a real estate fund here in Miami. Mm. So doing that, and for people who are just listening and not watching the, the video, um, Robert is wearing mala beads and a more of a relaxed, <laughs> yeah, more of a relaxed, um, you can say, outfit. And um, would that, is that just who you are through and through? I know that's something we had a prior conversation that we spoke yeah, about. Yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah, I'll, yeah, I'll show up like this. I mean, I, I don't wear ties anymore, ever. I don't wear suits anymore, ever. Um, maybe do a funeral. But uh, but I really I really don't wear that anymore. But it's it's really not because I'm 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 anti suit. It's just I wear what I'm comfortable with. My uniform, generally, if I go to business meetings, is my jeans and a white shirt, and but that's what I feel comfortable in. And and you know maybe I wear a jacket, but over it. But that uh, a, a blue blazer. But that's about it. Um, other than that, I wear you know, these types of shirts and, and t-shirts. And I like mala beads because uh, they remind me of my Buddha nature. And uh, I enjoy wearing them. I had a long time, I didn't do those things. Um, 
because I was afraid for a long time, like how are people going to perceive that? And, um, but I've given that up a few years ago and I'm like, you know what, I, I'm just going to show up the way I want to. And, you know, I have, um, uh, you know, tattoos and, and other things. And if people have a judgment about it, then so be it. But what I've noticed, everything centers around authenticity. And, you know, when I show up and I speak, uh, provided I, it's a subject I know something about, but otherwise I wouldn't speak, like, nobody's not going to take me serious. I mean, I can wear a Speedo and they're going to take me serious because I know what, what I'm talking about. So when I'm on subjects that I know about. So, you know, um, I don't feel like I have to conform and wear a certain uniform that is um, more symbolic of whatever that is. I, I went to this uh, two years ago. I, I went to Columbia Business School and there, uh, there's a real estate circle every um, December. And I remember going there in December. I happened to be in New York. and. Uh, Everybody was wearing the same gray suit, the same tie, the same. I mean, it was literally like clones. And I was kind of laughing to myself because I used to be one of those clones. Mm. And, and it's not that I'm proud of myself that I'm wearing something else. It's just an expression of who I am. I mean, this is what I feel like. And I still have meaningful things to contribute. I, um, you know, I'm still just as smart. But this is how I like to express myself. And this is what I'm comfortable in. And this is how I feel. And I'm noticing that if you show up in, in authenticity, nobody ever questions it. I've never had anybody at any business meeting question what I'm wearing, ever. It was all in my head, really, more than anything else. So, but I think it does have something to do with, you know, being authentic and being uh, very genuine in, in the way you come across. And I... I'm okay with me. You know, I, I, I don't have anything to prove. I don't, I'm not going out there. Like I always had something to prove the old Robert. I don't have anything to prove anymore. I don't, I don't need any, someone else's validation anymore. I, I, I know what I am. I know what I'm good at. I, I know I'm a good person and you know, every day I get a little better. That's all there is to it. You know? There is a concept that I was struggling with um, and that was going into when you start feeling more, when you start getting more connected and have these realizations of why am I trapped in this rat race uh, and I just wanted to throw it all in the trash, just denounce it like I want nothing to do with this. I'm done with corporate, I'm done with money, I'm done with the material and uh it, it wanted a radical change um, and for I realized a lot of it had to do with just allowing myself to have fun to laugh to feel my feelings again and to completely just to disconnect and I think that's a phenomenon that's especially um, very prominent here in the United States people never shut off people constantly go it's a it's a uh, uh, something to be proud of to never take vacation days and um, it it ruined me um, especially having my daughter and not taking any time right. I, I, I completely uh, I, I did not know who I was and I had the hardest time and that was so destructive now in hindsight that I didn't allow myself that time that stillness that peace um, 
but also when I've gone into that, I've gone so far that I all of a sudden, not all of a sudden, gradually responsibilities start going out the door. Structure starts going out the door. I just want to feel, I just right. want to connect. Like Ramdas at one point, he was upset with his body and angry that why do I have to be in this body? So he stopped taking care of his body. I never got to that degree. But, but that speaks to a place where I feel, especially more, you can say the modern man, sometimes gets stuck. So you're just this, this, this loving, connecting, soft man who walks around beaming, but really, in, when put in a pinch, gets frightened and has no freaking clue what to do. And, and you, obviously you're not there. And I know that is part of what I'm coming back to when you see me wearing a suit and a white shirt because that what is what I feel comfortable with. I like that. I like the simplicity. I like the minimalism. It's, just, it's been significant, a key in my life. But I know I can be a bridge because I like to perform at a high level, but it's just how do I do it consciously and from the heart and mm -hmm. with authenticity. Um, and I know there's a thought or two probably in your head about this topic, so please share. Well, I, I think generally we're, we're incredibly hung up on what other people think. Uh, can you hear me still? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I think that's one of the first kind of journeys on the spiritual path is to let go of um, what I call the rules, which is the bullshit rules. Mm -hmm. um, all this stuff that we think we're supposed to do or supposed to be, or like, who says you're supposed to wear a suit or a tie or I mean, who made someone made that up, but that isn't like anywhere in the constitution. That is not like a law that you weren't born that way. You were born naked. I mean, so, you know, these are all just rules that someone came up with and, you know, it's very liberating when we kind of let go of that and say, okay, well, how do I want to express myself? And I don't think it's um, soft in any way or weak or, you know, just because I'm wearing mala beats, I mean, I don't think I, I look weak. I mean, or that I'm, I'm less masculine or that I'm less business-like um, because I think the essence is still the same. And, um, and, and part of the spiritual path is really peeling back these layers, you know, these one layer at a time, right? And really get to our core, to ourself. And, you know, what's really important to us and how do we want to show up and how can we fully express ourselves in every dimension possible and work is one dimension and love is another dimension and friendships and art and, uh, you know, sports, you know, and there's so many different dimensions in life. And, you know, I think the challenge, but also the beauty is just peeling back these, la these layers. And the more, the more you can get closer to yourself, the more comfortable you're going to feel, the more light you're going to feel, uh, the more you're going to shine light out because you've got nothing to prove anymore. You know, you're not trying to be something that you thought you ought to be, which is what most of us occupy our whole lives with. Mm. Being in that state today, I'm curious too, what is it, what are practices that make you feel the most connected today? And that really, all right. Well, I do, several, I do several things. I mean, I, I'm a big believer that we, we, we have a fundamental disconnect with earth. And I think we're, we're, we're part of nature. And so I try to earth quite a bit. I sleep on earthing sheets as well. 
Um, I have an earthing pad underneath my computer. Uh, I think that's one of the one of the big things that we lack. Um, you know, we're not grounded, and we're um, um, you know, there's a huge part of that. Being in nature, to me, is the same thing. And being in nature is even just getting vitamin D, just going outside and getting a little bit of sunshine. I think so many of us are starved from 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 those kind of basics. I think other practices that I have for me, working out is is a big thing. It's a big outlet for me, but it's also a part. Um, it's also it makes me feel my body, and so you know, coming into your body means you're coming out of your head. Because basically, that's what all of this is about: is to get out of your head, get into your body, into your heart, and then you know, with that, you're settling into your soul. And your mind is a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful tool but your mind should be the servant where we have put the world upside down, where we have made the mind, the master, the man, the mind is not a good master. It's not very good at all. The heart is a great master. It's got a great compass. Uh, it knows where you need to go. It, it, you know, it knows your soul, uh, the mind, you know, not so, not so much. Um, so, you know, all these exercises, meditation is another way of calming the mind. Uh, I don't nearly meditate as much as you would maybe expect, but I contemplate a lot, which is kind of my prefer preferred way. Now, contemplation is really where you try to balance between the two uh, hemispheres of the brain. And so it's a form of meditation, but it's more like very, um, and, and then the, the other side would be deep concentration. And so deep concentration is basically your analytical side. It's your mind. Your meditation is basically your no mind. And then the contemplation is kind of the bridge between. And so I like to contemplate quite a bit because it calms me down and it still allows me to have some thinking patterns that I, uh, that I don't necessarily think are, uh, are um, I mean, they can be very constructive, which if you've done Joe Dispenza, um, you know, Thinking and his form of meditation is a very, um, it's a very different than a no mind um, because you're very deliberate you're very intentional mm. in what you meditate on. And that's more what I call contemplation. Uh, mm. So all this, I am thrilled to learn more. And, and for anyone who wants to learn more, you were speaking of your book. Do you mind sharing where people can find that and when it will yeah. be released? Yeah, the, the book is called Never Enough-itis. Um, and I coined that title because, you know, it was just never fucking enough. And so that was the feeling I had when I was just always chasing. And I'm not the only one because I see this all around me. So I, um, I believe that that's kind of the disease of mankind. And I was a prime example of, uh, of that disease. And that's what the book is about. So it's my story of coming out of business school and meeting my wife and a fairy tale. And then, you know, real life happens. And then the third part of the book is Phoenix rising where basically everything falls apart, but I find my way out through uh, largely spirituality and just uh, self-development and personal mastery. Um, the book is going to be available on January 19th on Amazon. Uh, it will eventually be available at Barnes and Noble and some of these other um, uh, book stores as well uh, is what I understand. But it will initially be uh, just um, on a paperback and an ebook version on, um, on Amazon. And uh, I think in about two or three weeks, the website will be up, neverenoughitis.com. And people can uh, already find it on Amazon, pre-register for the sales. Please do. Leave me reviews. That would be helpful, too, if you thought it was a good read. Mm. 
And my website, uh, thewhisper.com, is going to be up in about two weeks. Uh, that will have more about the programs I offer. I'm also putting a digital course together called the Zen Mastery Method, which is about mind, heart, body, and soul, which is uh, the path to personal mastery. And uh, I teach in all these modules. That, that um, course will probably come out uh, you know, towards uh, March. And then finally, I'm working on a documentary, which will probably come out around February about Never Enough Fighters. So it's a subject of my book, but in a documentary format, like a 15 minute trailer documentary. So those are kind of the projects that I'm bringing out. But if someone wanted to follow me today, I post daily on, uh, on Instagram at um, the Zen Whisper and similar on Facebook, it's slash the Zen Whisper. And you can follow me there. I post daily. I put a video a week up with some teaching as well. And I'll start even putting more videos up as, as time goes by. Amazing. And by the time this podcast release, uh, releases, the two websites will probably be up. Oh, perfect. And, yeah, and the book might even be released. So it'll be, be great timing. Um, and I'll let the listeners know more too about the details of where to find it and perfect. any updates at that point too. Uh, but Robert, it's been phenomenal, incredible to have you on. Thank you. For well, thank you. I, I appreciate it. appreciate you giving me the airtime. I really appreciate it. Enjoyed it. All right, Robert. If you want to find this book, Never Enough Itis, check it out on Amazon. Check it out in any bookstore, especially in the United States. Canada too. You can even check it out in in other countries as well, especially on Amazon. You can find Robert and his information, social and so forth, in the show notes. I feel like this was a compelling message. If you got inspired, if you take something away from this show, I ask you a favor in return. Please hit subscribe, hit like, even a five star. I don't like notifications myself, so subscribe, like. I mean, it's up to you. Five stars, I'll sweat off your back five seconds as long as it takes. Thank you for doing such this helps us spread the message to other people if you haven't done so check out the crossfit programs the methodical crossfit gymnastics crossfit program i do myself skill strength only i mean olympic weightlifting metcons five days a week you can scale it down if you want to during an app easy to use videos instructions i do it proof is in the pudding bam thank you man Check that out, safina.io, safinastrength.com, either one works. And for 15% off, Safina, all caps, 15, and you're golden. Sending you much love.